I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Inside Carolina, I'm Taylor Vipolis, and this is Up in the Rafters, where I'm joined by Carolina basketball legend and 2017 national champion Justin Jackson. Justin, it's technically football season, but there's a saying around inside Carolina. There's there is no offseason. The people want basketball. We're here to give them the basketball. The last time we talked, you were in Vegas for summer league with the Celtics. What's the latest happening with you and your situation uh, for this upcoming season? You're six now. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm actually I'm, I'm going to go to training camp with Boston, um, you know, hopefully impress enough people um to make the roster uh they got they have a few roster spots open so um right now i'm actually out here in boston currently um kind of working out with with some of the coaches and stuff like that just trying to get acclimated and get to know some people um and so yeah that's that's my like you said for year six that's my plan for year six man um you know hopefully make some work with that and you know go from there in boston now but when it comes to UNC, you got the chance to be in Chapel Hill this summer, be around the guys this summer playing, uh, pick up. Take us inside those games. What were some of the takeaways you had when you were matching up against this current team? Yeah, I mean, it was fun, uh, for one, just to get back and kind of connect with, you know, some of the guys that I played with and then also just some of the current guys. Uh, they got a pretty cool little group out there. Um I mean, the pickup was fun. It was competitive. Um, I think, honestly, what kind of got them going was that first cam game that they played in, um, where, from what I heard, Marcus kind of put on a show um, and, and went crazy on him. Um, and so, from what I heard, the coaches kind of got after him a little bit uh, about that game. And so, when I got there, of course, they were locked in and ready to go. So, um, I think a few things just kind of from seeing, you know, and playing with some of the guys, um, you know, obviously, we already know, um, you know, kind of Caleb's shot-making ability when he gets it going. Um, I think he's really kind of learned kind of to play at his own pace, just kind of watching pick up and watching and then playing, you know, against him in the camp game. Um, RJ is a RJ is a bucket. Um, he really knows how to play with the ball in his hands. Obviously, Armando, he's on the glass. He cleans up everything. Um, so, it was good to see. I think I'm, I'm most interested to kind of see how they fill that void with, with Brady gone. And I think with Pete coming in, I got to play pickup, I guess, one time with Pete once he came in and got all his stuff done. Um, and so I'm interested to see how he kind of fills that role. I think he can definitely, you know, do a lot of things for the team. So it'll be, it'll be good to see that. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Nance coming in, it's not really like a, a one for one type situation with, with Brady, with, their play styles where I guess like 
thinking back to UNC 2017, you win the national championship. The next year, they replace somebody like you with Cam Johnson, who you guys do a lot more things similar than Pete Nance to to Brady Manick. And going to the the pickup games a bit further, there was a quote from Jawad Williams on Inside Carolina um, a bit earlier this summer, and I wanted to get your take on it. It's He said, every time we step on the court with the young guys, the goal is to kill them, completely kill them. Take away any pride they may have, just destroy them. That's the goal. Because when they can challenge us in any form or fashion, or they can hold their own against us, when they play against college kids, it should be easy, and that's what normally happens. As an alumni, is is that the mindset you guys kind of go in with, where let's let's try to embarrass these guys so by the time the season goes around, anything else is is drastically easier? Um. I don't know if that's my first mindset when I go in, bro. Um, but that's definitely – I think when when the former players come back and play, I think it's – first and foremost, it's for them to kind of get their game going, kind of get back running up and down the court. But I think, too, it's, it's a matter of just trying to push those guys, right, show them kind of how, you know, professionals play, show them kind of the pace that they have to play at, how hard they have to play, whatever. Um, and I think it's just kind of a – you know, putting out an example of what they, you know, should be trying to strive for. And so I think the way the way Wad put it, I think is a little, you know, it's a little harsh, but at the same time, you know, our mindset is to not go in there and lose, right? Like our mindset is to go in there and beat them because we know how it was when we got, when we were there and we were current players. Um, so, you know, I think it is, you know, for, for each and every person it's different, but, you know, I know I speak for myself and possibly, you know, Kenny and Marcus and some of those guys, when we go in there, we're not trying to lose at all. Like we're trying to beat them in whatever way we need to beat them. You played pickup before you came to Carolina while you were a player at Carolina and then back in Chapel Hill as, as an alum in these pickup games, what would you say your best pickup memory is from your times in Chapel Hill? Do you have one that kind of jumps out? The best, the best, Memory for me, I don't know if I can come up with one. Now, the most memorable, um, I've actually got a, I've got a couple. For one, um, I guess it would have been my freshman year when I got to school. JP and pickup was literally like, I've joked about it all the time with guys, but JP was literally MJ in pickup. You know, obviously he's a great basketball player and he's doing great things now. But in pickup, like, it really made me feel like I wasn't ready to play college basketball. Like, it, let's just say it humbled me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so that happened my freshman year. And then, honestly, my – so it would have been my sophomore year. Uh, we were playing pickup either sophomore – freshman going into sophomore year. We were playing pickup, and it was Kenny's visit. Um, and when I tell you Kenny came in, it was freaking – locked in and of course I was his matchup and so um guys still give me still give me heck about that um but those are probably the most memorable I mean I've, I've had some good days and pickups some bad days and pickups it's just kind of it's kind of up and down but um those those two situations were uh I won't forget those that's for sure we need to get you some more memorable uh more positively memorable. We can't have your biggest pickup memory being JP cooking hey, out there. Hey, <laughs> Contemplating hey, your future. 
<laughs> I look at it as like that's where I started, and now this is where I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was your that I was your started from the bottom up. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to keep that mindset because if I don't, then I'll just curl up in a ball and you know not want to play basketball again. <laughs> Moving to the next topic in this rundown, we have the the odd recruitment of Bronny James. Uh, he is class of 2023. He's going to be a senior this year. He's 41st ranked in his class in the country. Yet, according to 24-7, he has, he has no offers. Um, and by all accounts, he, he does deserve a, a top 50 ranking. It's not just the, the James name that's kind of pushing him. And according to betonline.ag, UNC has the third best odds in landing Bronny's commitment behind UCLA and Oregon. In your opinion, would you want to see Bronny James play for the Tar Heels? Honestly, I just want to see the best players go there, to be honest. And you got to give Bronny credit because I feel like in the last year or so, he really has like gotten a whole lot better. And after kind of watching some of these, I was watching uh, a couple games of his that were on TV. Um, you know, he has improved quite a bit. I think whatever school he goes to, the amount of publicity that, that is going to come with him is going to be a lot. Um, so I think that's just something that, you know, whether it is UNC or wherever, that's something that's just going to happen regardless. But, you know, if he ends up, you know, if he ends up being, you know, the type of player that UNC wants and, and you know, can go there and produce for UNC, then by all means bring Bronny in. Um but I guess it's just kind of a waiting game. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you just, you kind of, kind of wait it out and see kind of where he finishes. Um, Cause like I said, the past probably year and the past summer, seems like he's really made some improvements. Yeah. I think it's something where he doesn't need Carolina, but if he wants to be a part of um, like that Carolina basketball family, then you don't really see anything that should kind of stop it. It, like if, if your biggest reason for not wanting him is the the like circus that's going to come with it, I I can understand how that could be a hang up. But if if he really wants Carolina, then I think you almost have to let him. And I the the thing I was looking at is the the social following that you would get having Bronny James on in in Chapel Hill. Uh, Cole Anthony, from from what I could tell, had the most followers at the time of his commitment. Uh, Cole has over like seven hundred thousand followers now. It was probably a bit over like four hundred thousand four hundred thousand followers when he committed. Any guesses how many Bronny James has on Instagram? He's got at least a million. At least a million. I don't know how much. <laughs> Six point four million followers. And, like, if you get Bronny's commitment, one, you're going to get a lot more eyeballs to, to Carolina. Two, maybe LeBron starts showing up to games in Chapel Hill. I doubt it. <laughs> maybe on the, maybe in, in the tunnel walks, LeBron starts wearing Carolina gear. <laughs> hey, look, my thing is, like, if, if he is, like you said, I don't think there should be really any – real reason that keeps, you know, whether it's UNC recruiting him or him coming, like it should never be about the fact that he has all those followers or, you know, the amount of attention that he's going to bring. Um, I think honestly, the only 
there's only good things that would come with him being there. Like obviously bringing in a really good player, bringing in that attention to UNC again, kind of bringing them, you know, back on top of the spotlight. Um, you know, that I feel like it's nothing but good that would come with that. So, you know, we'll see, we'll kind of see what, what all this stuff happens. Yeah. He personally, I don't see the fit at Carolina. Um, just, just with everything that he kind of has going on. Uh, I don't think he's a player that needs college. I could see him going the, the G league route, but it does go back to the point where if, if he does have that buy-in factor and he's somebody that coach Davis connects with, like whenever, whenever they talk or if they've ever talked, um, then I think you, you would be wise in, in following up and seeing that interest. And the, the hypothetical I have for you, it's Bronny would be eligible uh, for the NBA draft in 2024. And LeBron says he wants to play with Bronny. And that's the year he has a player option that year, could decline it and then sign with whatever team Bronny gets drafted to. For a top 50 player, being a one and done, is it's kind of for a, a fringe top 50 player, being a one and done, it's kind of a reach. But if you pick him and you get LeBron, how high would you pick Bronny if it meant Le- you also get LeBron? You have to keep in mind that season, Bron's going to be 40, but LeBron's 40 is is another person's, like, yeah. 20. I was like, prime. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, with that hypothetical, there's so many ways now that teams can sign players. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know what LeBron necessarily means as far as playing with Bronny, whether that's, like, legit – like multiple games in the regular season playing together, or if it's like, okay, Bronny signs a two way with whatever team he's with. And, you know, he's mainly up with the NBA team the most as, as opposed to the G league or whatever it might be. I think with that hypothetical, if I'm going realistically, like I feel like you can't necessarily sell your soul to try to sign Bron. Now, don't get me wrong. Bron is, you know, in the argument is one the best player to ever play. But uh, a forty-year-old Bron to try to sign him, I, I just don't know, bro. Like, are I you using like a, a late lot, first? Late first? Late first. That means everything is guaranteed. So, are you willing to pay four years? Or I guess yes. it'd be. You know what I mean? Are you willing to pay four years to sign Braun to kind of a year-by-year type deal, you know? So it's like, I mean, I think you would have to, depending on what team it is, I think you would have to. But I also think it's like, it's kind of like a, it's a tough juggle, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to also like take up a roster spot that maybe you need for somebody else, you know? But I think with 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 a, a guy like LeBron, I guess you know you might as well go and do it. I'm thinking of it as a Nick fan. As long as there isn't a uh, the the French guy in in this upcoming draft, Juan uh, Banyama. As long yeah. as there isn't him in this draft, you could take any pick outside the top five, and I and I'll take Bron for a year by year rental of LeBron. I just I just year want an, yeah I just want an ounce of relevance so. I'm willing to mortgage the future for, for a LeBron. Um, but next topic that we have football stories breaking into the basketball type rundown. 
Drake May, your former teammate, Luke May's brother, is the starting quarterback for UNC. He'll start on Saturday against Florida A&M for UNC's Week Zero game. What was your reaction to hearing about Drake May getting named the starting quarterback? Oh, man, I was just happy, man. Like, uh, when I was back at UNC to play pickup and stuff, obviously Luke's one of my best friends. Um, But we went out to lunch once or twice. and Drake came, um, and I mean, there's not really, I can't really think of a family that's much nicer and like a better family than the Mays. Um, so as far as Drake being the starting quarterback, you know, obviously all the work and stuff that he put in, like there's no, you know, family or anybody that's more, you know, deserving of having Drake be the starting quarterback. Obviously everybody knows Luke's dad and how good he was as a quarterback. And then obviously, Luke was a quarterback too in high school. Um, but to, you know, it's definitely going to make me tune in more to North Carolina football. I will say that. Not that I haven't tuned into him every once in a while, but it's definitely going to make me tune in more and kind of see how he's doing and, and see, you know, how good he's going to do this year. Is that something that you've noticed when you're talking to like your former teammates where there there's more of a buy-in factor now with, Carolina football where in the past it's like oh yeah here comes Carolina football they they might disappoint by the time the season ends when they come in with all this hype but now you at least have uh like a rooting interest in knowing somebody behind the team yeah I mean it's it's one of those things like I love football in general so ever since I was at school like I, I I enjoyed going to the football games and maybe even tuning into you know a few that were on tv um I think it's tough man because like the football team, when I was there at least, they put so much pressure on themselves by the hype that they produced themselves, you know? And so it was like whenever – if they had like a rough season, it was just hard to get back up ready for the next season because it was the same hype once again that they brought on themselves, you know? Um, but like I said, I love watching football, and obviously I love UNC. So, um, you know, you add Drake to being the starting quarterback, I'm definitely – if I don't watch every game, I'm going to watch most of them. Um, so, you know, UNC's got got Justin watching the football games at least. Yeah, that, that disappointment you're kind of talking about is is one that I think every Carolina football fan has. And they're they're still waiting to kind of get over that hump and, and take that next leap and try to join Carolina basketball in, in those national conversations. Who would you say your favorite former Carolina football players? favorite man I knew I knew a few uh when I was here um obviously bug when he was there um that was a layup it was supposed to be me no it's not <laughs> supposed to be. can we like put the clip of you in, in practice like can we put the clip of you no, I deleted that from the internet <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I like the movie, bro. Um, obviously, Marquise, when he was here, when he was there. Um, and I was close with a few, uh, like, defensive backs whenever I was there. Um, so, I think a few of them are still still playing. So, like I said, man, hopefully UNC with Drake at the helm, hopefully they can, you know, kind of get back up there um, and make some noise this year. So, I'm excited for that. 
And then the hypothetical I have here, if, if you were building a football team with UNC basketball from your former teammates, who's your quarterback, your running back, your best receiver, and then your tight end? Quarterback is definitely Luke. Um, it's it's either – yeah, I'd probably say Luke. Theo's got an arm too, but I don't know how his accuracy is. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Luke. Running back, Joel. Got to go yeah. with Joel. He looks uh, like a running back. He looks He's like – got him. that build, yeah. Yeah. Um, wide receiver, tight end, I'm going with Isaiah. I'm okay. definitely going with Isaiah. Wide receiver – I'm gonna show my man some love and say Kenny. I'm gonna say Kenny. I think he uh, he always talks about it, just talking trash, like saying he shouldn't play football, like yada yada yada. He's got hands, um, but I'll go with Kenny. Like just on the spot, I'll go with those guys. That's that sounds like a off the top of my head. That sounds like a pretty solid team. Not not terrible, right? Yeah. And then UNC football's first game, like I mentioned, this Saturday, 8 p.m., Keenan Stadium. However, before that, you get the blue and white basketball scrimmage. In terms of this team next year, what do you think fans should look for in their first chance to see this group together Saturday in the Dean Dome? To be honest, I don't really know if this is like a game that you would try to take information from necessarily other than seeing – individual improvement maybe um but i think i mean you could see kind of how they play together you know how how well they've meshed over the summer uh maybe how hard they go you know i think that's something big that they'll have to take into the season is okay you know what like y'all are projected number one and y'all are supposed to be this supposed to be that um but can y'all take you know the intensity and the amount of effort that y'all put in at the end of last year and carry that over into this year um, so maybe that, um, kind of see, you know, like we talked about before, seeing how Pete fits into, you know, the whole scheme of things, um, with what they have going on. Um, but I think honestly, it's probably just going to be like a fun game. Um, you know, I don't really know all the details about it, but it's probably just going to be a game where they go out there and it's almost like glorified pickup to be honest. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, how, how guys have kind of gotten better, you know, individually over, over this past summer. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, it's a, an NIL event where fans will pay uh, $12 to come out to watch the game. Uh, they could pay $150, which includes entry to the game and also a, a team autograph NIL session. 
uh, great opportunity for, for everybody involved. It's cool for the fans to kind of get this opportunity, cool for the players to be able to profit off it. I don't think we've talked about NIL since it came out. How do you think you would have handled it to where it, it didn't become a distraction, but you're also trying to uh, maximize your earning potential while you were a college athlete? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have been doing some of the same stuff that these guys are doing. Um, thankfully, like I had both of my parents probably would have never let it get to the point where I was so overly focused about it that I lost track of kind of why I was at school and where I wanted to go. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's money, you know, and, and if you can use just your name and maybe some time to sign autographs or whatever to make some money, then more power to every player that can possibly do that. Um, so I think if I was in that situation, I'd be doing very similar to what these guys are doing, like finding every possible little thing that I could do to try to add to that bank account a little bit. Cause I mean, in college, I, that's one thing I can't imagine making the money that some of these guys are making in college like that, that just, I can't even put myself in those shoes. So, you know, I'm happy for all of the guys that are, you know, being able to take advantage of this. Um, hopefully they can see doing that. Yeah. I used to be on uh, Franklin street at, at the Chipotle <laughs> and I would have to, I would have to check my Wells Fargo account before I swipe my car. Man, the, the, I was just talking to my mom about this. The, the amount of times that I had to hit her up talking about, Hey, can I get some money to the account? <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I need to go eat uh, for the last week of, of this month. Um, yeah, it's, they it's don't definitely, know, they don't know what we had, man. They don't know the struggle we had. Hey, look, we we crawl so they can walk, man. We <laughs> crawl so they can walk. Remember that. <laughs> and then for up in the rafters, we'll also be taking a mailbag questions. You could tweet them at us. You could write them on the Inside Carolina message board. You could ask them on Instagram. Uh, and then each week, I'll take a couple and um, get Justin's opinions on them. The first one, Justin. Somebody on the message board said they'd like to hear more about the perimeter defense in 2017, especially the stretch run. You, Theo, Joel were maybe our best trio in that role since lineups with Felton, Manuel, and Noel. Um, and they felt like you guys didn't get as much credit for it as, as was warranted because of how well you guys did at scoring the ball in 2017. What worked so well between you three defending? And do you see any of that potential when you're looking at this Carolina team and you have a, a pretty switchable lineup with guys like Leakey, Caleb, and RJ? Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, to be honest, um, I, I wasn't asked upon too much throughout the season to, like, really lock in on many players, I guess I would say. Not that I wasn't. Not that I guarded the worst player or whatever, um, but usually it was to start. It was Kenny would guard the best player on the other team. Then when Theo came, it was it was kind of Theo's job. And then obviously Joel, he was just kind of that guy that tried to pick up full court, like try to mess up with the mess with the point guards. Um, but then once we started in the tournament, um, I think it was just kind of like more of a focus of you know we're really trying to win this thing, so everybody needs to be able to um, lock in on both ends of the floor. And so for me, um, you know, I guess it kind of started with the, 
uh, the Kentucky game where we played um, Fox and Malik Monk and Bam and them. Um, obviously, Malik had had whatever it was, 50 the last time we had played against them. Um, and they just so happened to make that my matchup. And so I think from then on, my kind of focus on the defensive end was really more locked in than it was probably all season. Um, and so I think it was just a testament for one of the coaches kind of making me feel like I needed to do that, you know, putting confidence into me to go guard the best player out there or whatever. Um, but then too, it was like, I always saw Joel picking up 94 feet, right. I always saw Theo out there communicating and playing defense and, you know, tough on other guys. So it was just kind of trying to pull my own weight. And so when you look at this team, I think it's very similar. You know, I think the only difference is, is me, Theo and Joel, we were a lot, I would say taller um, overall than kind of what the Caleb, RJ and Leaky um, trio looks like. But when you look at a guy like Leaky, obviously, you know, I feel like he should have won defensive player of the year in the ACC last year. Um, and then you look at a guy like Caleb, who is athletic, strong, um, has all the qualities to really be a lockdown defender. And he showed it multiple times last year. And then you have a guy like RJ who he might be a little shorter, but like not many people really score on RJ, you know, like he's able to stay in front. Um, and so when you have three guys like that, that like you said, can switch on the perimeter, um, all it really takes is for them each and every game to keep that same intensity. Um, and if they can do that, I think they can honestly cause a lot of problems for the opposing, you know, the, the opposing perimeter players. And similar to this team, you guys lost the, the title in 2016. You decided to come back. You guys win it 2017. How much did losing the title in 16 impact your decision to come back in 17 instead of um, going the pro route where, where guys like Armando or guys like Caleb could have at least gotten started trying to go G league or, or international. How much did that kind of impact your decision to come back? I think honestly, for me, it was more, I didn't feel like I was ready. I felt like I had improvements that I needed to make um, still. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times guys kind of get, they got, they get lost in kind of the whole, I'm just trying to make it to the NBA, right? And it's like, okay, whenever I feel like there's a chance, I'm going to try to get there. When really the hardest part about getting – like the hardest part about the NBA is staying in the NBA, right? Like I was just talking to somebody the other day. I think they said the average, like, career span is like three years in the NBA. And so I think for me it was like I wasn't – I didn't feel like I was fully ready to be able to get there and – play for longer than three years. And so that's why we're back. And then you add on the fact that we have a chance to run it all back again with basically the same team minus Marcus and Bryce, and Joel, and, you know, those guys that just added on to the fire. Like, okay, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and come back and run it back. Um, so I think that was kind of what it was. And, and hopefully that's kind of what, you know, got Armando and Caleb to come back to was just like, okay, you know what? I've got some things that I can improve on, but at the same time, we basically have the same exact team coming back. So why not run it back? Joel James would have been a good name for a tight end too, I think. He's bro, he's just so <laughs> big. Like, like he's a great 
target, but like if ah, I'm imagining you get him anybody going at the legs. Yeah, I'm imagining him. You just attach him to the line. He's he's great run blocking, and then he's just a big red zone target. <laughs> That's not a bad. Yeah. It's not not a bad not a bad play. I didn't think about it. Yeah, Isaiah was more. Isaiah is more like the uh, like that new age tight end, the Travis Kelseys, the one who you're looking at him. You're like, wow, that's just a big wide receiver. But if you want to play some old school hard nosed football, (laughs) I think Joel James is your guy. Uh, The last question we have: uh, somebody on the message board said, "Would love to get Justin's insights on how UNC improves a player's individual skills during the off season." And if you're seeing any difference in that program under Coach Davis when you went back? Um, I want to first and foremost say that Coach Williams is a Hall of Famer. In my opinion, the best coach to ever coach. Um, and he did so many things really well. Um, when I was at school, player development wasn't necessarily like, like high on the list or what we were doing in the summer, right? Like we always had lifts, which those are, you always need to lift. Um, and then when it, you know, it's tough too with the NCAA and the rules that they have as far as how many hours you can do things. But then we would always have, when we, you know, when the time started, we would always have, you know, practices within the time limit that we would have. But then it would only leave us with, a small amount of time to go to player development with the coaches. And so when it came to individual player development, you really were kind of left out unless you found somebody else to work with, or you were somebody who you like got a group of guys to work on your game together. Um, I got lucky with the guy that I still work out with. I found him going into my junior year. Um, And so I was able to work with him kind of throughout the summer. But at that time, there really wasn't a ton of time based on the NCAA rules to do player development. When I went back and kind of listening to kind of some of the guys that were back there, Coach Davis has really put more of an emphasis on player development. You know, so when it comes to they still lift and do things like that, but they just leave more time to be able to do workouts with the coaches and They've got like, you know, last year B-Rob was there. So they've got, they've got Jackie. They've got guys who have played before that can get out there and really put them through a good workout that will make them better for whatever situations they might be in. Um, And so I think kind of seeing that shift, I think is really big Um, for one, for the guys that are there, but two for recruiting, you know, like recruit comes in and their goal is to make it to the NBA. But yet, in the summertime, they only get an hour f- the whole week to be able to do player development with the coaches. That's going to kind of move people in a different direction. But now with Coach Davis being there and the amount of time that they're putting into player development and focus on that, I think it's only going to grow You know, the players that are coming into college. When they see that, it's like, okay, like I can go there and get better and I can get to where I want to be um, one day. So – I love to see kind of the changes uh, or the, you know, tweaks that Coach Davis is doing to that to that side of things because I think it's really going to help everybody. Yeah, with, with that being said, I think they're 
they do have a, a good mix from what you can tell now where it's like you mentioned the the player improvement emphasis that they have and then you also see a player like Caleb Love uh go you know two weeks out in California and work with somebody like Drew Hanlon and did that last offseason too so I think Carolina does have a, a good balance right now for trying to get players better um for the upcoming season but that's all we have t- today stay tuned to inside Carolina for more coverage when it comes to the Tar Heels me and Justin will be back next week reminder to get your questions in and we'll try to get to them in the next episode Justin always appreciate the time man always a pleasure brother what's up y'all this is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala yo and this is his best friend the Ohio State legend Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do-average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.